In the name of God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Would all those kids and teens up through the 12th grade please come forward? Gonna tell a joke? What? I... <laughs> uh, so want to. Sorry, Zach. Not today. Good morning. <laughs> oh, there it is. Anyway. <laughs> Everybody good? Um, so what's this week? What's, what's this week? And what are we celebrating? Thanksgiving. So what are we thankful for? What's the, what's the, if you had to give one thing, and I know you're thankful for a lot of things, but what would be probably the most important thing you are thankful for? God. God? Yes. What about y'all? I guess that's probably, you can't beat that, can you? <laughs> probably can't beat that answer. What's the second most important thing, maybe? Huh? Family, absolutely. Um, the blessings that we just the blessings that we have. God has given us so many blessings. I wake up early on Sunday mornings, and so like at four o'clock, I was I was thanking God because this is the weekend before Thanksgiving. But I was also praying for all those people who don't have a roof over their heads and who aren't in a comfortable bed and who are going through war and who are starving and I mean because there's so many people like that in the world I'm thankful for God for the blessings that he bestows upon us but you can't just stop there you have to be mindful of the others who don't have what we have who who aren't able to to eat every day or or whatever and so there are a lot of so we pray with thankfulness but we also pray for God's protection and mercy on everyone else as well so don't ever do one and not the other they all go together so this thanksgiving day is anybody going out of town where are you going oh we're going to san francisco and then yosemite san francisco and then yosemite, yosemite. oh yosemite i thought it was yosemite you sure it's not yosemite where are you going san antonio san antonio they make good picante sauce there i hear you like pecani sauce? <laughs> you don't even know. Were you going anywhere? Y'all going anywhere? Boring. <laughs> Boring. No, I'm glad you're staying home. That's good. It's good to stay home with family or maybe have family come to you. I'm going to Dallas on Thanksgiving Day and I'll be back Saturday, but uh, we'll have time with our family that way too. Well, happy Thanksgiving to you all. Next week is the end of the church year. Next week is Christ the King Sunday, and so we come um, bringing everything we've gone through this year and bringing it to a, to a culmination, an end, celebrating Christ the King on his throne of glory, and then we start all over anticipating the coming of Jesus, both as a baby and as in his second coming. So, so next week and the following week, we're changing seasons and years and just be watchful and kind of pay attention and let it touch your hearts as we walk through it together. Okay? Happy Thanksgiving. Have a wonderful time, all of you. You can get it. Thank you, Bodie. Whoa. <laughs> this one, you're good.
at this time of year, I always like to, with Thanksgiving right around the corner, I always like to uh, think about cooking. I don't cook a lot, but I like to cook from time to time. I came a, across a pie recipe, and it suggested that I should weigh the pie before I cook it in order for it to taste just right. And so I began to wonder, well, I don't know how to weigh it. How do you weigh a pie? I don't know how to do that. I began thinking about it. All of a sudden, it just dawned on me, over the rainbow, right? Over the rainbow. You know that song? Somewhere over the rainbow, way up high. So now all I have to do is find a rainbow. I don't, don't know where to find a rainbow. Okay, let's get serious. Knock, knock. Goliath. Goliath down, you look tired. Knock, knock. Broccoli. Broccoli doesn't have a last name, silly. Knock, knock. Wouldn't you? Wouldn't you like to hear another joke? I knew that was coming. Knock, knock. Amish. Really? You don't look like a shoe. What do you think, Bodie? Bodie sat in my office for an hour yesterday telling me dad jokes, but that wasn't any of them. You have to admit, that is some good stuff there, right? Huh? <laughs> okay, you don't have to admit it, but what I want to do today is to talk about, I forgot to tell people to go get a packet, but we didn't have anybody, did we? What I want to do today is talk briefly about the parable that we just heard, Deacon Kathy read. It's a parable that ends with a rather substantial knock at the door. There was once a man, according to the parable, and I want you to think God, there was once a man who went on a journey, but before he left, he called his servants in and he entrusted to them all of his property. Pay attention to that word. The master entrusted his property to his servants. The master entrusted his property to us. So the story opens with an act of trust. The master is about to leave town on a journey. He entrusts his wealth to three servants, and each is given a different sum of money. To one, he gives five talents, but to make it simple, let's just say five million dollars. To another, he gives two million dollars, and to another, he gives one million dollars. It's very clear that the master trusts each of these servants he even hands over the money without any kind of instruction as to do what, what to do with it. He doesn't give them anything. And then the master, he just goes away on his journey. Immediately, the $5 million servant began trading with his money, turned $5 million into $10 million. And the $2 million did, servant did the same, earning $2 million more. 
But the $1 million servant was afraid. He didn't want to open the door. He was afraid that he would fail his master, afraid that he might lose the whole thing. So the $1 million servant digs a hole in the backyard, buries the money there. His trust in his master was zero, which also happened to be the same margin of profit, zero. And then one day, after a long time away, there was a knock at the door. Knock, knock, who's there? The master, the master who? The master who left you in charge of my money. I've come to find out what you've done with it. Well, the $5 million servant did very well, and the master was quite pleased. And the $2 million servant did equally well, and he also pleased the master. But the $1 million servant was ashamed because he had not risked that which had been given to him. And when the master heard about it, he was very, very disappointed. The master said to him, you wicked, lazy servant. And he took the $1 million and he gave it to the servant who had $10 million. And so once again, we see that upside down cuckoo kingdom logic turn it around from what we experience every day. So what does this parable hold for us some 2,000 years later? How are we to interpret its meaning in light of a very complex world where things are not as simple as a master going on a journey and leaving us briefly in charge of things? Or maybe it really is that simple. Well, first we know, we have to know what first century people knew. And the first thing they knew was the meaning of that word talent. It did not mean what it means for us today. In Jesus' day, a talent was a weight of measure, like an ounce or a, t a ton. A, a, a talent was thought to be the amount of weight that a full-grown man might be comfortable carrying on his back. But the word talent also came to be known as a certain sum of money, like dollars and cents. 2,000 years ago, a talent was the equivalent of what one person could earn in maybe 15 to 20 years. One talent was a lot of money. Five talents was a ton of money. But today, the word talent in our language has come to mean something different. It means a skill, it means an ability, it means a gifting. In fact, our definition of this word has been derived from this very parable. If someone has a gift or an ability that has worldly value, like the ability to create art or the, the ability to play music or the ability to garden, we call that ability a talent. And what we learn from the parable is that talents, both in the first century and in our century, are intended to be used and not buried. This biblical thinking falls directly in line with our Equipping the Saints initiative. Our great, mighty God, who knows every heart, has given every single Christian a spiritual gift or a variety of gifts and he expects us to use them for the building up of his kingdom.
and especially the Ephesians 4 model, what our Equipping the Saints initiative is based upon, of apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, evangelists. And as Christian disciples, I believe we all have traits, we all have attributes of these gifts, and especially those within the Ephesians 4 model, and that we must develop and use those traits for the building up of the church, of the body of Christ. What that's called is disciples making disciples. For example, I myself, I don't have the giftings of all five of the Ephesians 4 leadership model. In fact, I am very weak in two or three of them. But I'll tell you what God has given me, God has given you traits of each one of the, of the five spiritual leadership giftings. And where I am weak in a few, as a Christian disciple, and yes, as a priest, I take the strengths and I take the weaknesses God has given me and I begin to develop these strengths and weaknesses through the grace of God to become a better disciple, helping to make better disciples. I may be weak in evangelism. I may not have the supernatural gift of evangelism, but that doesn't lessen my responsibility as a Christian disciple to reach out beyond myself to share the good news of Jesus Christ with others. Those are the kinds of traits I'm talking about, and those traits need to be developed. And that is why this Equipping the Saints initiative is so important for all of us, each and every one of us so that we can be discipled as we develop these traits, begin to disciple others. In Jesus' mind, burying a talent, burying a gift, is like building a ship and never sailing that ship out of its port. It's safe, but it's useless. So in the parable that Jesus told, the master came back one day and he knocked on the door of the servants and he demanded an accounting of how they had used their given talents. Now I think this story leaves us with an unanswered question. How would the master have responded to the first two servants if they had not brought back a profit? What if they had put the money at risk and had come back empty-handed? Well, you know what I think? I think that the master would have accepted that. Because in the parable, what the master commends is not the prophet. What the master commends is their faithfulness. And notice that he does not commend the servant who produced five talents more than the one who produced two. In fact, each of them received the same commendation, well done, good and trustworthy servants, and each received the same invitation, you have been trustworthy in a few things, I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. These are words we all hope to hear someday. Enter into the joy of your master. But I also realize that I have that opportunity right at this moment to enter into the joy of my master because it begins right now in this world, in this church, this morning, not just when we die. And in responding to the third servant, <coughs> excuse me, the master makes it very clear 
that he would have accepted anything, even rock-bottom savings account interest that was motivated by faith and not by fear. This parable is not about money. It's not about ability so much as it is about trust. The master trusts his servants and acts on that trust. The servants, or at least two of them, return the favor by acting out of trust rather than out of fear. And they come back to the master with one fortune stacked upon the other. My friends, what I want you to hear this morning is that this is our story. This is the story of St. Timothy's. The Lord of the universe, the master of the universe, has entrusted to us and to all of Christendom the immeasurable benefit of himself, what we have come to know as the incarnation of God. And with this benefit came first salvation for those who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. And second, the truth of the gospel revealing the tremendous love of God, but juxtaposed with the awe-filled judgment of God. And third came the responsibility of bearing fruit from the gifts that he has entrusted to us. This is the incredible truth that we at St. Timothy's have held on to through thick and thin. That the creator of the universe comes knocking on humanity's door. And listen to what Revelations 3, Revelation 3.20 shows Jesus to be saying. Here I am. I stand at the door and I knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him and he with me. Jesus knocks on the door of every heart. And in the bigger picture, Jesus knocks on the door of the church and on the front door of St. Timothy's Anglican Church. And so, family of God, let us continue to open that door and let us use the gifts and the talents God has bestowed on each and every one of us. And let us bear fruit that will bring glory to God because remember, it is always, always, always about God and not about us. And so now, not, not. Let us. Let us stand and reaffirm our faith as it is found in the Nicene Creed. <laughs>